Okay, and welcome back to Fast Chip Performance. I'm Tim Davies, and this post was written back on uh, the 6th of April. So, looking at the watch, yeah, it's about 20 days ago now, so I should have uh, put a podcast out earlier. But I'm in the middle of a house move, and as we all know, moving house is an absolute nightmare. Uh, especially if you have the wife that I have. So we are doing everything we can to get ourselves into somewhere more centre of the country now and um, hopefully uh, try and hold on to the place I'm in now because I'm still flying half the month, still on the uh, Hawk T2 at Valley and I'm getting more hours uh, now than I was before really. So we've got quite a few students coming through. So this post then was uh, about my own training, in fact, when I came through uh, fast jet training many years ago now, probably back in about 2000, early 2000s, uh, 2002, 2003. Um, and I remember uh, one particular instructor on the uh, instructional staff as I came through a squadron called 19 Squadron that's now disbanded. And I had a few rough rides at low level, and it was about making weather decisions, really. And this one instructor eventually picked me up on one of the worst days of the uh, flying week. It was a Friday and I'd failed a trip previously and he said, we're going to go and sort this out today, Tim. Uh, Everyone else had gone home for the weekend and we took an aircraft, we dropped in at the Malvern Hills and then we fought our way back the whole way uh, back to Valley, looking at weather decisions, always looking at having a plan B before you commit into um, some valleys. And this uh, narrative here I've got, this post really is about the sortie that preceded that one. And uh, obviously it was a sortie that I went on to fail. But those lessons that I learned within that sortie, uh, especially when I went on to the Tornado GR4, uh, primarily operating up in the low-level arena again, um, obviously I took through with me and I now teach my students those lessons today. So if you do have any uh, interesting points you want to make, please put them in the comments on uh, Facebook or put them in actually on the on the Fast Jet Performance website itself because we do have a great conversation going on there. Quite a few of them. There's 11 comments at the moment on there so a bit of a discussion going on so um, also on LinkedIn as well uh, more discussions going on there as well so here we are this one then is if you don't make a decision in the next five seconds we are going to die yep my instructor had made it pretty clear that I had a choice to make and I was going to have to make it fast ahead of me was a valley full of low stratas and above me solid weather that extended up to 20,000 feet The tops of the cavernous walls faded into grey as they were consumed by the low cloud and there was no way that I could be sure that we would make it through. The alternative was to climb out of low level now, but then the sortie would have to be repeated as I wouldn't be able to get back down to hit my target. I didn't know what to do. I was a student pilot flying a military fast jet at a height of 250 feet and covering 7 miles every minute. I had to think fast. If I pushed us into the valley, I might just get through. But if the cloud became too low, then I wouldn't be able to turn around. I would be committed. And there was every chance that I might not be able to outclimb the valley walls either, which would mean certain death for the both of us. Ah, I thought, which decision do I take? It shouldn't have been too difficult. I mean, we make lots of decisions every day. Thousands of them, in fact, from what to wear, to what to eat, to who to talk to. These decisions determine the overall quality of our lives and we are all expert at criticising other people's decisions. In many cases, their choices are often a source of healthy gossip and amusement. The executive who trades her children's birthdays in an attempt to impress the boss with a dedication for working late. 
the supermarket employee who buys the open-top sports car on an unaffordable finance plan to impress his girlfriend. The wealthy husband who trades in his long-term partner for a younger model. The word decision, closely related to incision, derives from the Latin decisio, which literally means a cutting off. When we make a decision, that is exactly what we do. We remove all other options. We cut them away until we are left with only one possibility, a decision. We have made the rational choice of removing all surplus things which will lead to one thing remaining. To do this takes courage. It takes courage because we have to assure ourselves that the choice we have made surpasses all of the other possible options. The alternative is to not decide, to not cut away the other options but to leave them still on the table. This does not take courage and tends to be the path taken by the fickle and the undecided, but it is still a conscious choice. Here's a quote. Courage doesn't happen when you have all the answers. It happens when you're ready to face the questions you have been avoiding your whole life. That's from Shannon Alder. And decisions can often be very individual-centric. I had a friend who was in her late 30s and used to work in the high-tempo London finance sector. She once told me that many of her male friends had made an active decision to not physically look after themselves anymore. I thought this was odd, so she explained. The effort that these men would have to put in to maintain a healthy waistline whilst working such long hours and in such a high-stress environment meant that they had to make a choice. The choice was either to stay healthy, which would mean finding a less stressful job, paying less money but with more free time, or to keep earning the big money, but with little time for exercise and considerably more stress. Her friends had chosen the money. Be careful not to put off a decision, because you don't want a bad conversation. My wife and I get asked to dinner a lot, but we often both work late into the evenings. Eating with people is a pleasure, but sometimes we just don't have the time to commit to a whole evening. In the past, when we were asked to dinner, we would always say yes even if we weren't sure. I mean, it was the polite thing to do. Then we question whether it was the right thing to do and deliberate over our decision. Nearer to the evening, my wife and I would have to plan to leave work early and because the dinner would normally drag on to the small hours as Elvino did flow, we would have to book taxis and then work out how to get the car back the next morning. We would rarely enjoy the evening as we would always have other things that we felt we should be doing or be worried about the work that we'd have to be doing the next day. As we grew older, we learned to say no, and to not wait a week to do it. It wasn't that we didn't want to socialise, but that we couldn't always afford to do it midweek, and especially for it to take up the whole evening. Instead of saying, we're not sure of our diary, can we let you know next week, we learned to say, thanks, but we can't make it at the moment as we are both working long hours. Let's push it to the weekend, perhaps. Learning to say no can make both parties happier. Here's a quote. If you always make the right decision, the safe decision, and the one most people make, you'll be the same as everyone else. That's from Paul Arden. A decision can be the start of an incredible journey and not just the ending. Recently, a local restaurateur spoke at a TEDx event near my city. A few years back, he had opened a restaurant with his brother and now it was very popular. But as he explained, when they first opened, they had absolutely no idea it would be popular because they had no experience whatsoever. 
This is from Liam at the Marron Grass Cafe in Anglesey. He said, the journey had to be worth something. If it could fail, the lessons and experiences that had been learned on the way had to be worthwhile. He went on to say that this realisation gave them a bit of a chance to explore. It made the decision to open the restaurant less of a critical one, as they knew that even if it failed, they would still have learnt something from it. They didn't know whether it would succeed, but instead of doing significant market analysis and dwelling on the decision, they started it anyway. Procrastination can be a huge problem and stops decisions being made. This is because sometimes decisions can seem to be insurmountable, but only when you've made a decision can you ever move forward. Now I've written about using the Pomodoro technique before. The problem is that often people bite off more than they can chew and this technique allows you to just start to get into a problem by allocating small amounts of time to it. Here's a quote then, the hardest thing about the road not taken is that you never know where it might have led. That's Lisa Wingate, uh, a month of summer. But sometimes people delay decisions because they are faced with too many options. Minimize the choices you have. Too many choices can be overwhelming, can hamper productivity and can reduce the appreciation you might have had in the eventual choice you make. Take buying a new car, for example. Let's say that you had a large selection of models to choose from, maybe 10. Any one of those 10 would do. So now you have to get into the detail and that is going to take time. You might feel snowed under. Wouldn't it be easier if you just had a choice of two? Because of the number of cars you have to assess, you might find yourself reading the various brochures in the evening when you should be spending time with your family or watching some sport on TV. When you do eventually buy the car, you might spend some time thinking about whether the choice you made was the right one. Maybe the other cars had a better stereo, resale value or performance. So you run the risk of appreciating it less than if you had less of a selection to choose from in the first place. I remember that I once saw an advertisement from Mercedes that stated that they had over 73 different model specs to choose from. Then Lexus entered the luxury car arena, bringing with them just three. It's why people buy Apple products. You just have to choose between a phone, music player or computer. And that makes your decision to buy one of their products that much easier. Minimizing your choices makes making a decision easier. Don't make decisions based solely on the advice of other people. So recently, my wife and I decided to buy a house. We knew that we needed to be near a population center and not a remote location that tends to be the preferred home of fast jet bases. Also, if I leave the military, I will find it hard to get a mortgage. So it was best to get one now. But whenever we spoke to people about our plans, they would always offer their advice. That's the great thing about opinions. Everyone can have one but they don't necessarily have to be listened to. People lived in the wild said that we must move to the country. Those in towns said to buy in a city. Everybody had an opinion. In the end, we knew that whatever house we bought, compromises would have to be made, so we drew up a list of must-haves and nice-to-have. This helped us decide on the house we eventually bought. I mean, a helipad and underground lair is a must-have, right? You see, most of us are fundamentally flawed. When you ask for advice, what you think you are asking is, what should I do? But what you're actually saying is, what would you do, considering 
all of your personal experiences, likes, dislikes, hopes, and dreams. People will default the decision to their own experiences the majority of the time. This is because they can never truly know you like you know you. Always identify a plan B. When Michael Dell dropped out of University of Texas to start Dell Computers, he asked for a leave of absence so that if things didn't work out and his startup failed, he could always return to his studies. You see, making a bad decision in the world today is not actually that easy. Normally, a bad decision is just 90% of a good one. We have people to advise us, books that will guide us, and the internet to find answers on any subject we desire. In fact, many decisions we make are reversible. If you buy a car you don't like, you can sell it again. Move to a bad area, you can always move to somewhere else. The acceptance of a small financial loss is normally the only obvious downside. And remember, not only was that decision that you made taken with the very best information you had at the time, you can learn from it, which will help you make better decisions in the future. Anyway, bad decisions always make for better stories. The best opportunities are frequently the ones with the most risk. You can never be 100% certain about anything, else you just wait forever. When making a decision, always have a plan B that is accessible. Very few decisions in life are final. When you make a decision, don't just consider what the outcome looks like. Consider what your life would be like if you didn't make a decision. What would the outcome be like if you didn't make the decision? Because this is exactly what I had failed to consider on my low-level sortie when I was faced with some entirely unpalatable options. As I stared at the impenetrable valley ahead of me, I stuttered some unintelligible gibberish in a vain attempt to persuade my instructor that I did indeed have some sort of a plan. But then I heard the words no student ever wants to hear, I have control. And with that, my instructor took the aircraft from me and pulled a hard 4G skywards into cloud to escape the danger ahead. And that was it. I knew in that moment that my indecision had failed me the sortie. By not making a decision, I was allowing the environment, in this case the weather, to dictate my fate. If making a good decision brings value into your life and making a bad one is acceptable as it creates a learning opportunity, then what was the lesson that I learned from my failed sortie? The one that my instructor explained to me in the debrief and the same one that I teach to my students today. He said, I don't care what decision you make, but you absolutely must make a decision. Last quote then, in any moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing is the wrong thing. And the worst thing you can do is nothing. That's from Theodore Roosevelt. And that's the end. And that is it. Um, I've got about one and a half thousand people like that, which is really good actually. I have about a few comments on there. I will go through the comments, but uh, they come from such a variety of backgrounds and people doing different things. Uh, really adds to the conversation. And I must admit, when I go through the the comments, I learn a lot myself, which is absolutely great. Two things I will just reiterate on there. Actually, one of my friends called me up and he said, um, he said I don't agree with Plan B. He said I'm laser focused. He said. I find if I have a plan B, it tracks it. It makes me not get to where I want to go. And that's all well and good, of course. But if I was laser focused on that day, I would have flown myself into a mountain. So I'm a big advocate of having a plan B. Um, I've got plan Bs for everything. Uh, people dying, uh, cars breaking, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, I've always had a plan B. So it's not a massive shock if anything does happen like that. Um, okay, the second one. 
was, I just want to reiterate really just briefly, was the main part of the whole post really was just trying to enjoy the journey. We try and get ourselves into an end state when we make a decision. We think if you make a decision, this will be great. I mean, I've just started to hit the gym again. I like heavy lifting and stuff, and I haven't done it for a while. Uh, laziness more than anything, but I find that being in an office a lot of the time, I'm really not as mobile as I want to be. So I'm into functional fitness. I'll be 42 this year. I really just want to be lifting some some big weights, not for size, growth, nothing like that really, but just to get some strength. And I, f- I feel much better uh, by doing that, by hitting the gym, picking up some iron. But again, when I first hit the gym, I was thinking, well, if I can look like this, this would be great. I'd feel good about myself. And I've changed that now. I said, no, it's not about that. It's not about the end result. It's about my journey to that end result that is not even there. So I don't go in there to train a specific model, uh, body part. I just go in the gym and I think, you know, what, what do I feel like training today? Let's do some back work. Let's do some heavy lifting. Let's do some arms, some legs. Never do legs. Legs are horrible. But um, so that's what I'm doing. I'm enjoying the journey. That's, that's where I am right now. So if I could say to anyone, uh, want to get anything from this post about making a decision, make a decision and then enjoy that journey if you can. Really appreciate the feedback. Um, as I said, I've got an email, Tim at fastshipperformance.com. Really enjoy getting emails. I read every single email that is sent to me. And I must admit at the moment, I'm replying to every single one as well because there's some great people writing in. Um, if you need help with something, uh, by all means, stick me an email. I will get back to you with anything I can. I really appreciate your time. I know how valuable that is. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Tim Davies, Fast Ship Performance. <laughs>